Hello and welcome to Legal Thinking with me, Ed Wooten. And me, Liam Pep. That's one for the transcription service. <laughs> um, what have we got this week, Liam? So this week we speak to Caroline Joanne Millett, who is an employment partner at RWK Goodman, and Catherine Hawkes, who is a senior associate in our employment team. At Ooh, what are we talking to them about? In this episode, we talk about confidential information, we talk about trade secrets, what employers can do to protect it, especially in regards to when they're sharing data with a third party, and when employees leave an employment, and what employers can do to make sure that data and uh, information remains confidential. It's a slight side point, but we also discuss garden leaves, uh, which is an employment term, and the difference between garden leaves which is what you find outside on your, on your pavement. Yes, I was, I was amazed to find out that Liam, in however many years of working, had never heard of the phrase garden leave. So well, yeah, well, I, like thought, you, I thought he was joking, but apparently not, dear listener. So, uh, absolutely yeah. not. Let's roll in, tape in my, you'll find my, out. <laughs> in my years of employment, I've been trusted to actually work my notice period online. <laughs> <laughs> Without any further ado, roll tape. Okay, so... Um, Thank you, uh, Caroline and Catherine, for joining us today. Um, Caroline, I guess I'll direct the first question to you. Um, why is it important to protect confidential information in a business? So your trade secrets and confidential information can be the most valuable assets your business owns. You've probably spent years and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds, building up your customer base and finessing your product or your service. You don't want to allow an employee simply to benefit from this, to be able to walk into your office and then bring all your confidential information to a new employer or perhaps even set up by themselves. So there are some very simple practical and simple legal steps that you can take to protect your business's information, which we'll be exploring today. Yeah. So um, what what might the different types of confidential information be that might people might need to protect just so we can get a kind of idea of what we're talking about here? Yes, with this, uh, a business quite often considers any uh, commercially sensitive information to be confidential information, which should be protected by the UK courts. Unfortunately, there's a different approach within the court system. So, the leading case for this uh, is Facienda and Fowler. So, to give the bit of the background, Mr. Fowler set up his own business which was the same as his old employer. His new business was a direct competitor. Some of his new customers were exactly the same as his old employers, and he even recruited some of his former colleagues. Uh, his old employer brought a claim saying that he had stolen confidential sales information relating to the customers and the prices, and they tried to stop him from using this. The high court said, well, firstly, you don't have any contract of employment. So we're going to look at what the basic legal situation is. And they said, no, sorry, you cannot stop a former employee for using this type of information. Even though it's commercially sensitive, uh, a new employer can use it uh, because there's no express written contract. And what the courts then did and said that there are four different types of 
potentially confidential information or information that it would look at. The first is trade secrets. This is a gold standard for employers. You get the best protection for your information if you as a business can show that you really have a trade secret. But this really is a high threshold. Um, Think of the secret recipe for Coca-Cola here. It's something which has been treated as secret um, and has a, a significant amount of commercial uh, importance and value. It might be uh, secret processes in terms of manufacturing, a chemical formula, special design methods, or something else which is um, similarly secret. The next stage is mere confidential information. And actually, the courts describe it as merely confidential information, which is interesting because as an employer or a business, you think it's confidential information so really important. This is the type of confidential sensitive information like sales and client information, which Mr. Fowler was merrily able to use after he left employment because it wasn't protected by a contract. Um, so, this type of thing is source codes, customer lists, business plans, commercial agreements, uh, research and development projects. So, it's very important to your business. But the courts say it's merely confidential information. So, as far as they're concerned, during employment, the employee can only use it to benefit their employer. However, if they happen to carry it away in their head after they leave employment, they can use it. That's unless there's a written contract. So, the danger is that if an employee has a lot of confidential inf information in their head and the business hasn't taken steps to protect itself, the employee can use this information that he just inevitably carries away um, in his head. Um, it, ha it is slightly helpful that the courts have said that if you deliberately memorize confidential information to try to cram as much in your head as possible before you walk out the door, that's not protected. Uh, but we see this as a really dangerous and gray area for employers and why they really need to take practical steps in advance to prevent somebody walking out the door with their confidential information. The third one is um, information which relates to the skills, experience, know-how, and the general knowledge of the employee. For uh, shorthand, we usually call that the employee's know-how. It's about how the job is done, the processes, the problems, uh, and that is generally seen as belonging to the employee, and they can do whatever they want with that. You can't stop them from using it after they leave employment. And then finally, public information basically does what it says on the tin. So, uh, Catherine, coming over to you, which categories of information can be protected during employment by an employer? Yeah. So, as Caroline has said, um, so there are four kinds of business information, which are trade secrets, mere confidential information, information that amounts to skill and knowledge of the employee, um, and then public information. And so, during employment, both um, trade secrets and uh, confidential information can be protected from disclosure through implied duties. And so, specifically, there are implied duties which exist in all contracts of employment um, that employees will conduct themselves with fidelity and good faith. 
And this duty includes an obligation to respect the confidentiality of the employee's commercial and business information. And some senior employees, such as statutory directors, also owe what is known as fiduciary duties. And these duties require an individual to act in the best interest of the company at all times, even at the expense of their own interest. So essentially, um, during employment, employees shouldn't use or disclose confidential information and employees can actually rely on these employed, implied duties with or without an employment contract. But as Caroline touched upon as well, even if you've got the existence of these implied duties, it's really important that employees have um, express confidentiality terms and confidentiality covenants within their employment contract um, to ensure sort of additional protection for, for a business. And which categories of information can be protected after employment? So Caroline touched a little bit upon this, but if you'd like to expand. Yeah, so um, without express confidentiality provisions, only trade secrets can be protected after employment through the implied duty of confidentiality. Um, but it's as, as we've both said, it's far better to try and enforce an express term in a contract, which has actually been signed by the employee, rather than trying to rely on implied terms. Um, and so it's, it's very important to include express confidentiality provisions. And so these confidentiality clauses should include clear definitions of what the employer considers to amount to confidential information in the context of their business specifically. But for example, this could include lists and details of clients, pricing strategies, marketing plans, pitches, together with any sort of specific sensitive information to which the employee has access during their employment. And if that um, confidentiality covenant is drafted to cover as much information as possible, and in particular specifies what amounts to confidential information in the context of their business, then an employer is likely to stand a very good chance of protecting that information, but more importantly, being able to persuade a court that it's taken all reasonable steps to notify that employee about what it considers to be confidential information. But um, as you know, the law of um, confidence is quite uncertain, and um, that you know the case law. There's a lot of grey area in this area about what could amount to a trade secret versus mere confidential information. So it would be advisable to have other co covenants within your contract um, to rely on, not just confidentiality clauses. So you might want to consider having post-termination restrictions, for example, sort of non-compete restrictions, restrictions against soliciting employees, for example, or customers. And if you have well-drafted restrictions, you may be able to get additional protection without having to solely rely on your confidentiality clauses. And you might also want to consider having a garden leave clause within your contract to try and minimize any damage um, that could be caused by a, an employee that's leaving the business. And a garden leave clause essentially keeps an employee out of the market for, for the duration of that garden leave um, period. Um, and the aim is to try and prevent them from misusing any confidential information during that time. And, and why is it called a garden leaf? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> wait, wait, I, I, am I hearing that correctly? You're saying garden, like what you'd find outside of a house and then leaf, yeah. like what falls from a tree? Yeah, exactly. A garden leaf. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's just a uh, garden leave as a oh. holiday. <laughs> what did you think I said? I said garden leaf. Like what oh, okay. I do apologise. Garden leaf in your in your contract. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it sounds like the, 
the 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 answer to that i mean have, have you have has she suitably answered that liam for you the, yes. what garden leave is? okay <laughs> cool yes. um it sounds like the the next question might the answer might be implied in what Catherine was covering there, but just to make it crystal clear, Caroline, what types of confidential information can a former employee lawfully or safely use a new employer? Lawfully use, he can or he or she can bring with him any know-how, uh, uh, information about processes or um, systems or methods of working that they have been using that they just happen to have uh, in their knowledge and in their mind. If there isn't a written contract, if they happen to have some confidential information in their mind as to client lists or client information, they could use that as well, as long as they haven't stolen a client list. Um, also, if there's information on the public domain, quite often we have uh, companies who are concerned that a former employee is targeting certain of their very important clients, but those important clients are on their public website uh, or there have been press releases about them. So if it's in the public domain and the client is using this particular product or service, uh, you couldn't stop them from going after them unless there's something specific in the contract. So there are lots of uh, gray areas which can make it difficult. So, Catherine, coming back to you, how can information be protected when sharing it with other uh, or third parties? Yeah, so um, confidential information can be disclosed um, to third parties in a number of situations. For example, when businesses are discussing sort of business proposals with clients or if you're engaging a third party contractor or dealing with suppliers. So, in order to protect information when shared with third parties, you'd want to use something called a confidentiality agreement or a non-disclosure agreement. And the aim of these agreements is to ensure that the information that you disclose under the agreement remains confidential and secret, and that the, the person receiving that confidential information agrees um, to only use it for the purposes that you've actually defined within that confidentiality agreement. But while confidentiality agreements should allow for a contractual right to an injunction or a claim of damages in the event that there is an unlawful sort of disclosure of that confidential um, information, in reality, um, any compensation awarded um, to a business may be quite meaningless if um, the confidential information has already been disclosed to competitors. So, there are limitations to confidentiality agreements. And ideally, what you need to be doing is um, putting in some more practical steps as, as well as sort of just solely relying on those documents. So, for example, you might want to disclose only what's absolutely necessary to a third party um, or pr provide hard copies of that confidential information or limit the number of individuals who might receive that information at the, the third party um, business, but also to ensure that the information is returned back to you at the end of that um, arrangement. And also you get confirmation that that third party has actually deleted any confidential information after it's been used. Okay. That's interesting. Um, Liam and I have talked to other people about this on the, on the podcast before. So obviously the, the, the workplace has been changing since COVID, working from home, flexible working, different ways of working that maybe we hadn't even thought of before COVID. Um, Caroline, have you noticed with that any 
changes recently in cases you're seeing about like former employees stealing confidential information? Has that had any impact on on that kind of thing? Yes, that's a really good point. Uh, previously, there used to be uh, so the traditional advice, which was to look out for flight risk indicators for your staff. Uh, who has started to stay in the office late or come in at the weekends? Who's doing more photocopying and printing? But if people are working on a hybrid basis or working from home, this doesn't really help us as an employer. So we all have to adapt to the new working conditions. Um, if, for example, an old school case um, we were involved in, in which an individual who was working for an investment bank had printed off too many client files during her notice period. This was flagged by IT and her explanation was it was for handover purposes, but that wasn't believed. And she was dismissed for gross misconduct during her notice period. The new employer was notified in the reference that she was dismissed by um, for gross misconduct and the regulator was notified as well. So nowadays, few employees are silly enough to print off reams of confidential information or send it to the personal email during their notice period. Although I am still flabbergasted, that still does happen. I was going to say, you just take pictures of the screen on your phone, surely. Yes. I, I mean, people- <laughs> can we redact that from the final podcast, please? <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. There's those, um, the new technology has evolved so the employer has to be careful. I'm using the situation, and that happens a lot. People take pictures with their phones and then send it to themselves by WhatsApp uh, or Telegram. So, what we have to do is change our mindset. So, you know, corporate espionage or data theft used to sort of conjure up sort of a, a Mission Impossible style uh, image, somebody breaking into the office at midnight with sort of futuristic equipment. Now, every single one of us who's working at our kitchen table with a laptop and an iPhone could protect uh, potentially uh, replicate the confidential information or damage it. Um, so, the things that we need to look at uh, to The changing workplace means that employers need to change how they protect their business and protect their confidential information is say, okay, well, firstly, what do we want to protect? What's important to us? And the next stage is who can access it? And who is accessing it? Do you get real-time notification uh, if somebody's looking at your client list or your trade secrets? Uh, Is it read-only? Can somebody change it or delete it? Is it password protected? Is it marked confidential? Uh, There's so much that people can do on a practical basis to protect themselves, but quite quite often that they're not. And I'm a firm believer of prevention, not cure. Some employees might simply be naive or over-enthusiastic, let's say, when they leave uh, and are preparing to join a, a new employer. But you do also get the occasional bad apple that you need to protect your business against. And this is a dishonest employee who's highly motivated to use your commercially important information and trade secrets for his own benefit. So things in that kind of situation that you might want to look at is as well as in your password protected client list, 
have some sleeper cells. Um, that's maybe a family member or a senior employee's email or home address. So if they're notified, you are contacted in real time uh, or even put in deliberate uh, markers into um, confidential information, such as a small amendment to the address or a little typo. Um, we had a, a case where with a client list and a postcode, we put in a uh, a letter O instead of a zero. So then when the ex-employee was writing to the employee at their home address, we were able to trace it back. So when he said, well, actually, I just knew this. I happen to know it from my memory. We can say, well, actually, no, uh, this is misinformation. We can prove that you've stolen this from our, our database. So there's lots of practical steps you can you can do, but you need to be proactive. No point locking the door after the horse is bolted. Got up your game, Liam, is asking what she's saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in terms of some of those practical steps that can be taken by employers to protect confidential information, uh, Catherine, why don't you give us uh, maybe three of them of what employers can do whilst uh, people are being employed? So during employment. So one of the the key factors that courts will consider when deciding if information is truly confidential is whether the employee made the employee aware that the information was considered confidential. So with that in mind, um, to protect uh, information during employment, um, as Caroline has kind of touched upon, you should think about sort of labeling commercially sensitive information as confidential and circulating it to only a limited number of employees, or for example, using different colored paper for documents which are with different degrees of confidentiality, or password protecting devices and documents which contain confidential information. But also um, looking at the sort of the policies that you have in place as an organization and making sure that you have a confidentiality policy, for example, an IT policy, And depending on the nature of your business, um, you might want to also think about having a social media policy, which would set out the employee's um, policy on the use of things like networking sites such as LinkedIn and making it clear that client contacts remain the employer's property. Yeah, there's a case a few years ago about LinkedIn. Is that that the one you were referencing at the start? There was quite a well-known case that I heard about, about LinkedIn, where someone argued that taking all their connections across was not in breach or something. Yeah, there's only been, I think, like one case in relation to, to LinkedIn. Um, and the I think the courts found that actually that information did belong to the employer. But it, I mean, it will be a very fact-sensitive um you know, situation because the starting point for employees, they will always say that this information belongs to me because LinkedIn is my sort of, you know, my profile, you know, my um information, but an employer will say, well, no, you you only got all of this client information because of working for, for us and for our business. And so that's that's why it's so important to have things like confidentiality policies and social media policies where you will actually say that this information specifically belongs to me. And so you're in a far better position as a business to then challenge that and say, well, actually, look, you've signed up to these. This is the policy. You know that these LinkedIn contacts belong to me. You only knew of them because of your, you know, your existence in the, in the company. And so, um, in order to kind of, as a business to protect those contacts, you really need to have something in writing really to be able to enforce anything. Otherwise the employee can quite easily say, no, this is my account. These are my details and just not hand them over on termination. So just to close off, let's think about everything that we just discussed and 
perhaps just to throw the question to both of you, you can jump in as, 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 and when you like, um, what is the one most important? It sounds like, uh, Catherine, you might've already sort of talked about it, but it's what is the most important step for employers to protect their important and confidential information and why? Yeah, I think, I mean, from my perspective, I've sort of emphasized this point quite a lot, but I would say that the most important thing that employees can do to protect their information is to have a very well-drafted contract of employment, which should clearly set out what the employee's obligations are both during and after employment and should um, specify um, what information is confidential. And the aim is really to ensure that that confidential confidential information amounts to a trade secret itself. And you might want to place, you know, in the contract that any disclosure of that information is forbidden and would be the employer would be entitled to seek damages or injunctive relief if it was disclosed. So you're actually really clearly spelling that out within the contract itself. Um, but there are other clauses that you can have within the contract, um, such as sort of protections when an employee leaves the business. So, for example, you'd want uh, the employee to deliver up all of their IT equipment on termination, um, to delete any information that they have on their own personal devices, which is confidential to the business, and confirm in writing that they've actually done that. And so that can be a really important evidence for the, the business to use if there is um, and sort of any misuse of that confidential information in the future. And Caroline? In terms of protecting the business, uh, the risk areas um, are when somebody leaves the business. So I'm a big fan of having resignation meetings or notice meetings, not just an exit meeting. Because if it's the last day that they're in the office, that's probably too late to have those discussions. Um, the resignation meeting, you would explain to the employee what their obligations are in plain English, because quite often uh, employees are naive and just don't understand their obligations. So you nip that in the bud. And also you drill down into what to find out what their future plans are. Uh, quite often, we have had situations where the employee has been uh, disingenuous about what their future plans are. Uh, they're going to take time off to travel or they're looking after a sick relative. Uh, but then as soon as they have worked out their notice, we find out they've actually joined a competitor uh, or have started up their new business. So if you get in writing where what their business what their future plans are uh, and write to them, there can be no gray area with that. You're also explaining to them this is your contract, these are your obligations. If they lie to you during your um, during their employment, they're breaching their implied duty of fidelity, even if there isn't a contract, uh, which can be very useful. And you're explaining, we want to have all of this information back, all of these documents back, and you get it back before they leave. So you're able to do a lot more if you believe somebody is about to compete or has done anything either over-enthusiastic or nefarious while they're still employed. You can deal with it then and protect yourself quickly. Um, also, risk areas similar to resignation are when people are going through uh, disciplinary processes or potential redundancies. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of uh, redundancies at the moment uh, in certain areas. Uh, and that's a risk time because the employee is feeling nervous. Um, perhaps concerned about how they're going to find new for, new sources of income going forward um, and also might be disgruntled. So that's a stage when somebody might want to be on a either an IT 
sort of watch list uh, and more attention is being paid as to what they're looking at and downloading. But you have to make sure that this is done sort of per the contract and any sort of internal policy. Um, and also perhaps reminders uh, periodically to members of staff as to what their obligations are with confidential information, because it's a real area that people just don't understand that the information they're working on day in, day out shouldn't be used apart from for the employer's benefit and can't just be transported to a new employer. I'm waiting for Liam's garden leaf joke to come back out again. Oh, so, 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 off. Sorry, you messaged me saying garden leaf joke can come in. I, I thought you were preparing for that. I was looking <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not that smart. I'm not, I can't do that. Caroline, Catherine, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, thanks very much, Liam. Thank you, Ed. Speak soon. Thank you for listening to Legal Thinking and thank you to our guests um, for joining us on today's podcast. Uh, If you want to find out more about the topic that was discussed today, make sure to have a look in the show notes where we will have linked everything up. And you can find all of the back episodes of Legal Thinking in your podcast provider of choice and you can also subscribe and follow us on there too. And as always, make sure you leave us a five-star review on the podcast provider of choice as that helps other people find us. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.